Hi, and welcome to the latest reflection based on the Bible in One Year programme. This one covers the period from days 132 to 138, which remains in the Gospel of John, although today we're going to be focusing on the Old Testament, where we cover the latter part of Judges and the short book of Ruth. And I recognise some of you read this a while ago, and others it might be more recent, maybe others haven't been following the readings at all. So you're still welcome to join this, and I do pray that God will speak to you as you listen. But today we're looking at two very different types of story. One is perhaps the most horrible of stories in the Bible. The Bible isn't a Certificate U or even Certificate PG type of book. And so today, if you happen to be listening or you're watching this with children around, I think you might want to wait until they're out of the way and then come back to it. The other is a bit more hopeful. The Book of Ruth isn't quite the nice, romantic, almost Mills and Boone-esque type story that it's sometimes portrayed as. But it is a story of goodness and hopefulness, which comes as a welcome relief when you consider what you've just read in the Book of Judges and what you'll go on to in a lot of Samuel and Kings. But it comes tacked on to the end of Judges, which is a time of political instability and disunity. On day 135, we come to the end of Judges and we get the line, in those days Israel had no king, everyone did as they saw fit. And that meant when troubles sprang up, there was nobody there overseeing it. Nobody trying to ensure the vulnerable were looked after. Basically, everyone was on their own. Everyone just looked after number one. Or so it seemed. And the story of Ruth isn't set in the best of environments. Elimelech, Naomi, Malon and Kilion, they moved to Moab. A place which for generations had on and off been at war with Israel. Uh, if you ever watch those murder mysteries and you get that scene, you know the one I'm going to talk about. It's late at night, there's a murderer at loose in the village, there's someone alone in the dark house, they hear a strange noise outside, and you'd think the logical thing would be, lock the doors, call the police. But no, what do they do? Every time they... Go out to investigate. They even tell the person where they are. They announce their presence going, Hello? Who's there? And you just know this isn't ending well. Well, that's what those who first heard this story would have thought when they read of this family going off to live in Moab. Not that where they lived at first was much better, to be fair. They live in Bethlehem. And we associate Bethlehem with Jesus and a manger and the little Lord Jesus sleep on the hay. Or later Jews might have remembered it as the King David's family home. But those reading it in the context of Judges would have heard the word Bethlehem in a rather different way. It was the scene of one of the darkest episodes in the story of Judges. And that's saying something. It's a scene in which a man 
hands over his concubine to people to save his own skin. She's then gang raped and dumped at his door. After which she kills her and cuts up her body and sends parts around Israel. Imagine that in those Sunday school flower graphs. Imagine that in your lunchtime news. And that is the area where the bulk of Ruth's story is set. That is where Ruth goes as a foreign woman with her mother-in-law Naomi after the deaths of her husbands. Naomi would have been vulnerable enough as a widow in that place with no sons left to support her. But at least she was one of their own. Ruth, on the other hand, whole different story. And yet, it's a story of huge mercy. I would argue that the women in the story are incredibly astute. And they've used all the leverage they've got in the best possible way. And Ruth even uses some of the prejudice that would, be, that would have been held against her to her advantage. But the thing is, we can't take away from it the story of Boaz, who seeks to ensure her protection, offers her water. He's clearly observant of the law because he's happy to have the widows following those who are taking in the harvest. And he ensures that not only has some laughed, he goes much farther. He gets his guys to deliberately drop some so that Ruth has something to pick up and take home. And then he's prepared to marry Ruth. He gives her security and hope for the future. But it, you know, it's more than just a tale with a happy ending. You know, it's not just they fall in love and live happily ever after. They kiss and the music strikes up. Just when a film director might pan out to the credits, we get a little snippet of genealogy. The child Ruth bears is called Obed. Obed is the father of Jesse, who's the father of David. Israel's greatest king comes from a right mess of a situation in a place not exactly famous for mercy and compassion in a time when everyone else was thought to be looking out for number one or so it seemed but there was one who was acting with mercy and compassion and in the midst of a horrendous, hopeless situation, God takes his plans and moves the future of Israel one step forward. You know, King David will come from this story. And in fact, as New Testament people, we can say more. We, God, God's taking his plans for the whole world one step forward. We can allow the camera to pan back that bit further. and We can follow that family line all the way to Jesus. But it's a story of bad decisions, mixed motives, people who aren't plaster sits. It's, it's, it's a story of real people in real time, in real place, making very ordinary decisions. And some of their decisions are good and some of them are bad. But all of them are ingredients in God's story of redemption. Nothing is wasted. 
Now, that's not an invitation to make bad choices and live carelessly and think, ah, well, God will sort it all out in the end. It doesn't really matter what I do. That's not the point. That's why pain and heartache lie. But it is good news. Because every single one of us makes bad choices. If you haven't, well done, yay. But I'll just give you a bit more time, because you will. And sometimes we make what seemed at the time to be good choices and they turned out to be bad. And it brought us pain and sorrow and shame. And sometimes we blunder into decisions which in our heart of hearts we knew were bad and potentially destructive and weren't going to end well, but we don't stop. And we can kind of live with pain and sorrow and shame from that. Or sometimes life just happens. But the good news from Ruth is that however little it feels like it, God can take the worst of us and use it as the raw material for redemption. In his hands he can reshape us. In his hands nothing is wasted. His grace is enough. Our story can seem completely meaningless sometimes. But God's plans and purposes are greater than our individual circumstances. Our redemption isn't contingent on our circumstances. It's not even dependent on whether we are worthy of it. Even in the darkest of times, when we can't see the way, God is faithful in his work and he will bring his plans for us to completion. And in his hands, nothing, not even the worst of us, gets wasted. Every now and then, in my more open moments, I realise some of this is true in my own life. My life has not been short of bad choices. I've gone through up any number of dead ends. I've had no shortage of failures and disappointments. Some of them were my own fault, others just happened. Sometimes when I reflect on things, I realise that the experience of the low points got me through something else, much farther down the line. And so much which seemed unconnected with what I do now prepared me for this. And that gives me hope because it suggests that when I've got tough times now, I can have this sense I'm being prepared for something further down the line. Bad news as well as good news shapes us. Nothing is wasted. So when things seem bleak, may we be able to find trust in knowing that there is nothing, absolutely nothing, from which God cannot bring hope. With him, not even the worst of us is wasted. Let's pray. Lord, however we come, help us to trust that you never leave us, never forsake us, your love never gives up and your grace never fails. May we trust you with all of life. Help us follow, but when we fall, help us to know that because of Jesus, our failure in heart need not be final. And that you can use even that, for you are at work in all things, for the good of those who will trust you. Amen. Grace and peace be with you today.